I guess disclaimer about uh, this episode is that it's not going to be about taking the leap that we had talked about last episode. Uh, mm. Something kind of happened in the past few weeks and days that we really want to touch on first. So this conversation is going to be more about, um, you know, talking about communications, intentions and impact, but also getting into cultural appropriation and wokeness. If you're not ready to listen to this, totally take a skip. Um, but if you, yeah. or if you want to listen to it in pieces, that's totally fine too. But we want to give a little disclaimer before you hopped into it. For this episode, Gene and I really want to talk about situations where you might have good intentions or you might have different intentions, but in the way that you communicate things, there's some loss of information in between and you, things are misconstrued and kind of what happens mm-hmm. from that point. We want to go through something like a case study, but more of like an examination and like a a wellness check between the two of us, I guess, about something that happened recently. Mm -hmm. So two weeks ago, there was a situation with Mahjong Line, something that especially Asian people who are listening to the podcast might have seen on social media. And we kind of wanted to talk about that. Mm -hmm. They are a Dallas-based company that are led by three white women. And their intention was to basically share their love and joy of mahjong in a way that is supposed to be easier i want to say for people who feel intimidated by the game from their website it says on their mission statement on a quest to purchase her first mahjong set kate discovered the artwork of the traditional tiles while beautiful was all the same and did not reflect the fun that was had when playing with her friends and nothing came close to mirroring her style and personality and then the mahjong line has a couple of products available on their website Um, They're pretty much just custom Mahjong sets, Mm -hmm. and they range from $325 to $425. Mm -hmm. Depending on who the maker is or where it's coming from, there is one Mahjong tile artist who's left in Hong Kong, and his set runs for about $600. US Mm -hmm. But it's really because he is the last of his kind who makes these grand Mahjong tiles, and they take about three to six months to make. So today we're going to be talking about getting across a message, poorly communicated intentions, cultural appropriation, and wokeness in general. I'm Calvin. And I'm Jean. And this is 27, a podcast about growing up. The outcry on social media was pretty immediate and pretty loud, where a lot of people were calling out the business for gentrification, for cultural appropriation, yeah, cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. and colonization to a certain extent Mm -hmm. of this pretty well-known Chinese Asian game and trying to like repackage it and repurpose it for white audiences Mm -hmm. to like a much higher markup. So I didn't find out about it until Stephanie, which is Soothing Sister, posted something and then I DM'd her like, oh, what is this? And then we kind of went on a whole rampage internally about what the Mahjong line is kind of doing some more stuff on the website that i'm going to read out specifically they talk about the difference between american style and chinese style mahjong um, saying some have asked what is the real mahjong well all the madness of mahjong began in china hundreds of years ago so that they own that distinction fair and square when an american businessman named joseph babcock returned from working overseas in china he brought the game with him in the 1920s it became a national craze upon the publication of babcock's book Rules for Mahjong, the Red Book of Rules. Mm -hmm. And then it goes a little bit further about the evolution of how like Americans developed their own style of Mahjong Mm -hmm. uh, based on this book from the 1920s. And one of the big conversations around this idea of American versus Chinese Mahjong, because I think that's where a lot of Mm -hmm. the the ire has been focused, 
is that the sort of historical context behind the development of American style, quote unquote, mahjong, is that in the 1920s, there was a huge push against Asian American people in the US,、mm. which is like a lot of the times not really talked about.、Mm. in It's it's maybe one or two paragraphs in the history yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I swear. Whereas it's like the Chinese Exclusion、yeah. Act, which is a huge, huge law that was in the United States that pretty much barred marriage of Asian people,、mm -hmm. uh, Asian immigrants in the US.、Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of Discrimination、yeah. and abuse of Asian labor to build intercontinental railroads.、Mm -hmm. At this time, when they're telling the story of、uh, a book published about a Chinese game, Mahjong, this popularization of this game style、mm -hmm. is coming at the same time as like trying to distance yourself、mm -hmm. from Asian immigrants as much as possible.、Yeah. Western cultures have kind of had this really weird fascination with Orientalism、yeah. and like the oddities of the East and、yeah. stuff like that. And this is kind of a, an expansion of that, where、uh, there's a history of American people and European people absolutely loving Asian culture. Yeah, or like Asian aesthetic, basically.、Mm -hmm. yeah. And wanting absolutely nothing to do with Asian people at all. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the context behind a lot of the, the outrage,、mm -hmm. um, at least from what I've seen online.、Mm -hmm. There was the Chinese Exclusion Act happening, and it's kind of what I think perpetuated some of the stereotypes that we see now about demasculate. I can't say the word. Can you help me say、um, that word? It's it, emasculating. Yeah, or yeah, for Asian men, where not only were they excluded from marriages and making it seem like, oh, women didn't want to marry Asian men, like they weren't allowed into certain labor fields, which is why reason there are so many like. Chinese cooks or Asian males in nail salons. It's not just because like they just want to go into it, it's because they're actually fields that they weren't allowed to go into that would have been considered manly back then.、Mm -hmm. Like, even in Little Tokyo in LA back then, I think a few miles away, it used to be a Japanese internment camp,、mm -hmm. which is why like the location of Little Tokyo is so critical.、Mm -hmm. And when They're starting to propose like a new rail line and starting to gentrify the area. It's like, no, there's a reason why little like that little Tokyo has to exist there because,、mm -hmm. like, many years ago, just a few miles off, it used to be an internment camp. So it's pretty critical to their community and where it stays. Right. And so then, when kind of the Mahjong line surfaced up again with what had happened, it's there's so much like feelings to unlock with it. There's a lot of history behind. Asian Americans in the US that is really often overlooked and not、mm -hmm. understood, at least commonly, even among Asian people. I don't think、mm -hmm. a lot of our peers know this history to this depth. And obviously, we have holes in our knowledge as well.、Mm -hmm. But I guess I want to ask you, because I think you do have a lot of feelings.、Mm -hmm. What are your general feelings about just what the Mahjong line is doing? And、mm -hmm. not necessarily what other people are saying, just like、mm -hmm. what is your opinion on the tile set? It goes into Many different factors or different sections, as I've like talked to you before.、Mm -hmm. One is that, like, it just kind of feels like Western culture is trying to like own another thing that they didn't do、mm -hmm. beforehand. Because this reminds me of, I think, an LA Times article about、uh, how Thailand had handled the COVID 19 response.、Mm -hmm. The entire article was good until the last point where they were like, maybe it's something in the river that's making them be able to fight COVID 19. And I was like, 
just because America didn't do it doesn't mean like someone else can't do it. It's magic, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's <laughs> it's like this weird thing where it's like Mahjong, where it's like, okay, just because like, you know, America didn't make the game Mahjong, but they love it now. It's okay that you guys didn't do it. It's totally fine. You don't have to like try to own it again. And that's where I think the feelings kind of come through where it's like, you can't try to just erase everything and pretend that you did it, mm -hmm. you know? So that was kind of the feelings there in general. But then when I looked at the Mahjong line tiles, I was like, wait, they're they're like mad cute, uh -huh. you know, not going to lie. I think they're mad cute from the branding perspective. I thought everything was very, very clever. You know, the way that they use the like the design company that did it was O&H brand design. And mm -hmm. they're also a local design uh, design firm in Dallas. And I was looking at their website and looking at the work that they did and I I think they're a really great design firm and I think that the solution they came up with visually for the Mahjong line was very clever. You know, the color was very, I want to say like very Chinese. Mm -hmm. Everything about it was very, in, to a certain extent, like Asian, but like contemporary Asian, which is weird to even say. Mm -hmm. What really kind of fell through, I think, was how everything was presented and the language that was used. Like where the intention seemed really great and pure on like, let's really make something cool together. It just didn't come across in the messaging where I think they were trying to be cheeky because that's what the branding looked like. And then it was just offensive. Like even one of the line was like, not your mama's mahjong. And I'm like, well, are you talking about my Asian mom? Like, what do you mean not my mama's mahjong? It does sound like they're trying to say my mahjong is better than your mahjong line, right? The cheekiness and the messaging there really contributed to the idea that like your version of Asian or Chinese isn't good enough for me. So I'm going to make my own. And mm. I think that's where, you know, more of the outrage kind of starts to boil in. There's part of me that's still trying to say, like, is it reasonable for me to get mad about Mahjong? Because one, I'm not full Chinese. I've never played Mahjong. Mm -hmm. I'm Thai. But I am somewhat still offended at the same time for the things that I've seen on it. And I'm just like, so if you do the Mahjong line first, are you, am I just waiting for you to do something from my culture that I never got to experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the rage comes out a bit more. I, I have similar feelings and I generally have like pretty conflicting feelings about this because I do feel something wrong happened. But I also feel like I understand the approach. I, I feel pretty similarly to Jane, where if I just read, I, if I just read it and came across it, I'd be like, "Wow, that's a really expensive mahjong set." Mm -hmm. But sure, like it's fine. I don't have a immediate negative response to hearing somebody say, "I don't see myself in the set, so I made a new set." Mm -hmm. I come across a similar struggle with Jean, which is hearing there is a superiority or an inferiority of mm -hmm. like the set or having this tongue in cheek opinion on something that's like pretty venerated, like pretty, mm -hmm. pretty well respected. It's like if you made chess, I actually no, I'm trying to think about it because- I, I was gonna be like, it's kind of like if you made chess and then decided to make like a geisha samurai version mm -hmm. and you're just like, seriously, you thought that your version of chess needed to be like exoticized. Right, well, it's not you even know. that. It's like, cause there are tons of alternative chess sets that are very mm -hmm. cool, like a Star Wars chess set or like mm -hmm. a, an, an anything chess set and that's mm -hmm. fine. But if you say, wow, this, this chess set is like so much better. Like I would never use the original chess set again, or mm -hmm. I don't know. And like, that's not what they said, but it's no, the implication well, of what they said. It's it's kind of tough. You know, I was reading other articles about it as well. And it seemed that like, it also felt like they knew something wasn't right mm -hmm. because there was an article that 
came out that said they respectfully refreshed it. Even the three women founder were like, we respectfully redesigned it. It extends more than just outrage because they were aware that something wasn't right. And so why didn't they address that? And it kind of goes into um, the responsibility of a design firm and design team as well, where if three white women approached you and was like, I want to make a Chinese game Mm -hmm. but i'm white and i want and to me when i saw the logo i was like i think it's an asian woman Mm -hmm. you know some folks might not think it's an asian woman i saw it i was like no why does she look familiar i wasn't so sure but i'm like her red cheeks definitely remind me of like a chinese makeup that i've seen before Mm -hmm. it was just like okay isn't that awkward during your design revisions you know i kind of just imagine like what are the conversations like make her cuter, make her eyes bigger, make her cheeks redder. Like, and it's kind of like, are you just like, in some weird way to me, it feels a bit violating because it's like, are you just fetishizing me now? Mm -hmm. Like, do I need to be like pinker? Do I need to be cuter? Do my eyes need to be bigger for me to be more approachable and like palatable for American white Western audiences? Mm -hmm. Or why is it that like, my Asian, my version of Asian that I am right now, why is that not good enough? And why does it need to also be refreshed in this manner? Which, you know, it's it's definitely a reach, but it that's what I think really angered me the most. And then still seeing the way the Instagram account was handled, where I was like, I don't think you understand, or at least the Mahjong line, I don't think they understand how deep-rooted it is mm-hmm. because they haven't replaced the logo on it. Mm-hmm. I think just to summarize at least my opinions, I think the lens that people really commonly look at this through is whether it is cultural appropriation or appreciation. Mm -hmm. And I hate this because (laughs) I would love to be on the side of like, you know, social, social movement and stuff. But honestly, if I like really sit with my feelings about it, I do feel kind of more on the center about it. I do feel like Mm -hmm. it, it kind of leans more on the appreciation side. I think we should also say FYI, Gene is the one who's making Calvin talk about this t- topic. Yeah. Well, no, because I actually, I had a lot of opinions, but I, and it sucks. It sucks because I know that I'm an Asian man and I know that we mm-hmm. suck. Like, I know that a lot of us are terrible <laughs> and like conservative and like engineers and like shitty, mm-hmm. like traditionalist thinking. But for the most part, I think that apart from some of their messaging, what they did is fine. You know, like mm-hmm. they, they made a Mahjong set. They were a little weird about, you know, the history of it, but it's a very small market, right? Like not Mm -hmm. everybody's going to be, they're not trying to replace all Mahjong sets for the rest of time. But Mm -hmm. I do understand that within context and within messaging and the way that it would activate feelings in people, that that's pretty Mm -hmm. shitty. And I don't want to take that away from people. But Mm -hmm. if I'm thinking about just the Mahjong set on its own, I'm like, I don't don't have much of a problem with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if you really remove the context of, of the situation, the set itself mad cute branding perspective very clever mm-hmm. i think it was just that like you know you're a white company that's being asian presenting mm-hmm. you know the more i like dove i had to stop myself because the more i dove into it the more mad i got and the deeper my feelings got where i even thought about like is it like am i mad about this because I'm an Asian woman and the person used is an Asian, like the mascot used looks like an Asian woman. And it gets me, it got me thinking of like, well, are Asian women also being outraged for Asian men as well? Because there is that stereotype that like the Asian moms prefer their Asian sons. Mm -hmm. And like the Asian, like daughters are like trying to like, 
either we gotta hold up your ass to like get you through your life or like like make up 10 times even more and it's still not good enough so it's like again am I not good enough that you have to rebrand my face you know and like make me cuter but also is it Asian women are just more outraged again because it's like we're just going to continuously be outraged so then we have like the dragon lady coming out of us or like the tiger mom coming out within us Mm -hmm. so it you know it unlocks a lot of deep feelings and i think to me it unlocks a lot of conversations because there's so many sectors to approach it from where there's cultural appropriation cultural appreciation Mm -hmm. internal biases and like thoughts that we have And then from a design perspective, like what's really respectable and what's creating a caricature? Mm -hmm. Because when I also saw the, that logo, I thought about also Chinatown in LA. If I remember, I have to go double check. I think the reason why it was built that way specifically was because it was kind of like an abandoned Walt Disney project. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, Walt Disney kind of just character, caricature, I can't say that word, but they basically like took their theatric and dramatic representation and understanding of Chinese and built like Chinatown that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, so we have to live in the lens of what you believe is Asian, Oriental, Chinese. And it's kind of like, so when do, when do we get to kind of structure it the way we want to? Because then when you see other artwork, other architecture designs from Asian artists, that's not overly theatrical oh they're abandoning their heritage or they're abandoned they're like getting westernized when it's like no they're not getting westernized there's like deeper concepts and theories that are going into it but because you imagine it a certain way it doesn't feel asian to you it feels western to you Mm -hmm. i want to transition over to what we think about the response and what we think about things that have happened as a result of the mahjong line and criticisms of it a lot of folks were quick to react they were very quick to make meme accounts and very quick to kind of in a certain way bully the founders into feeling ashamed Mm -hmm. there is the secondary the mahjong line parody account that's been launched and i think the tagline for it is like asians being mad I guess I want to start by saying I understand the hurt, especially like us having this conversation and like going into things within the context of the release and Asian Americans and the US and stuff. But I don't think that it was performed productively. Mm-hmm. And I, I especially think that meme accounts in particular, I understand making light of difficult situations, but I just think that it's it's not helping people process emotions it's it feels Mm -hmm. more like an avoidance or more like Mm -hmm. straw manning a person so that they can be punished Mm -hmm. as opposed to educated or like you educating yourself about why you're feeling the things that you're feeling Mm -hmm. so i i have a pretty negative opinion on the outrage because i think that the emotions and the feelings make sense and i understand wanting to have conversations about fetishizing emasculating uh, colonization and cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. but i think that just bombarding these people with DMs and Mm -hmm. making them take down their website. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's not a helpful approach. When I saw their statements, both the the design company and the Mahjong line company, from their statement, you could tell they still don't understand what they did wrong. Mm -hmm. From my understanding is that they don't have negative intentions. I think they just generally live in a bubble Mm -hmm. and like they don't know they didn't bother to look outside of their bubble they feel safe in the space that they're in which is why they thought it was okay and then unleash the world of the internet 
mm-hmm. and it's not okay and they still don't understand it why it's not okay i think what they might think is a problem is that they're just white women who designed an asian game i don't think they understand the depth that like offensiveness that they like that people are feeling because as i was also looking at different meme accounts and different comments they're all reiterating the same information which after you know 10 comments you're gonna be like whatever it's always like karen and asian yeah. like stay out of our business and all that stuff it's mm-hmm. just like it's not helpful and it doesn't convey what people are feeling it just is mm-hmm. anger or it's mm-hmm. just aggression and it sucks yeah so i feel like the more productive route is definitely like having a conversation with them like i even thought i was like should we just email and be like hey design company do you want to talk like mm-hmm. and have your feelings shared with us and that way we can have a conversation about it but i was like in the heat of this moment they are probably getting spam emails so if i was to ever email one i'm not i feel like i'm not the expert to even talk about this but like if i was to even email it would just get buried in there mm-hmm. you know i agree with you where it it didn't feel productive because if it was productive they would have taken down their logo they would have paused selling first to say like we're going to reevaluate our company they would have changed their storefront mm-hmm. but they didn't do any of that because they actually i think they actually just don't understand mm-hmm. oh i even want to like give the backdrop of like you know understanding something like this isn't immediate like it took me a very long time to just like understand everything that's also happening around the world mm-hmm. and this probably goes into like the later topic but touching on black lives matter I heard of it but when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand it. Okay, I'm not confronting any of my own whiteness. I hear this a lot, but I don't really know what's going on. And then it wasn't until I think I started to get more into the LA community and listening more to my black peers talk about it and being part of a project with part of the California African American Museum, mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, I think I understand now. Mm-hmm. And then even getting to the point that I am now today, that still took a few, like an additional few years, right? Like we're like five years out of college. Right. Like it's not something that's going to be an immediate understanding, which is why I feel like that statement also isn't fully reflective of them understanding. It takes time. And I think that with these meme accounts and the outrage, like we're not giving them the time to understand. It's kind of like we're not even giving them the option or chance to fully reflect. We're giving them the, you need to come up with the statement, say you're sorry, and then kind of what happens next is anyone going to follow up to see do they understand or is it gonna still be like we hate you Mm -hmm. this is just the mindset that i'm approaching the outrage and trying to understand where it's coming from i had i had the thought while you were talking earlier and then i just put it on pause to talk about it now i i know what i want to say but i want to make sure that i convey it correctly or the way Mm -hmm. that i feel most accurately and I'll, i'll just say it right now and then maybe i'll give it a second try later this story what i think is happening is it's activating a lot of trauma for people what's happening what my understanding of it is that people saw this set people saw the the faces behind it and then saw the price tag and then saw Mm -hmm. the images depicted and then it activated trauma for a lot of people Mm -hmm. no i agree and that's like people reacted to it with like a really gut reaction Mm -hmm. um seeing things that might not have been there because Mm -hmm. when i see as an asian man when i see that logo i don't read the same things that you do Mm -hmm. um i just kind of see it as rosy cheek like character like a wendy's gal exactly i don't and i don't want to take away that idea from you because i I think Mm -hmm. that somebody's experience is real and the lived experience that you have is real 
but what I think that people need to be conscious of is when we're acting based on our trauma as opposed mm-hmm. to using an acknowledgement of that trauma to grow. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? To use your story, you felt that feeling and you yeah. examined it and you mm-hmm. like sort of understood where it was coming from and you you understood that this is not what they are doing to me. Yeah. This is something that was done that is making me feel things that exist in the world already. Yeah. But yeah. what I think a lot of people have done is they feel that feeling and they said, oh no, you it's did that me. to me. You you did that. So you're the problem. Yeah. As opposed to seeing the trauma that you hold mm-hmm. as a part of a system and as a part mm-hmm. of things that you've experienced and like has, has been building up to this one release and there will be future yeah. releases. Yeah. But, or I, and I guess that's where I draw the line is like, I can see that they might have done something wrong, mm-hmm. but I do not think that they're at fault. Yeah. But I think that they can be a part of the solution, which they're not yeah. trying to be. But yeah. that's like the thing that I'm kind of wrestling with or that, that I the thought that I had while you were speaking or yeah. earlier. No, I think that's that's a really good clarification to have because I even in our own private conversations when I was talking to you about it, seeing that like did unlock a lot of things for me where, you know, it's really part of my personal experience and my association with it at least from us being in a design studio. And we receive a lot of feedback from our clients. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they're like, I don't like it. And then you would ask me like, are you okay? <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm fine. Cause it's not about me. I know, like, I know it's not about me. It's about the design. Mm-hmm. And I think the Maja line is kind of in that same manner where, so for, for me, you know, there's some outrage or not some, a lot actually, as you can hear from me, there's mm-hmm. a lot of outrage in the logo and in how they kind of reappropriated everything. But at the same time, I still like the conflicting feeling is where like it's not exactly the Mahjong line. It's Mm -hmm. the area. It's a system that they're in, which is that they're in a bubble. They Mm -hmm. don't recognize the problem. They're probably not around a ton of Asian people. And even if they are, they might be like third generation Asian or, you know, for lack of better words, whitewashed Asian. Mm -hmm. Right. Those people might also be wrestling with like their own Asian identity and Western identity. It's like, it's hard to say that they're fully, fully at fault. And that's why it's kind of, again, like the responsibility of people involved in that system, which is like the founders, the community who play it and the design company who designed it. They're also in that system and each person has to start to be accountable for the actions that they contribute to the final impact. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think everyone's intentions were like, let's make magic together. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is going to be super cool. This is going to be a really great project for our company. Then the impact that came out from it was like, oh shit, like we messed up, but we don't know why we messed up because we thought we were doing something really cool. And like, I saw the like the BTS photos, like the back, like behind the scene photos, basically of them setting it up, how careful they were. And even just the way the photography was done, like every single thing that really led up to that moment seemed intentional with deep thought about like making a cohesive image and they Mm -hmm. thought it was clever and everything. Where in that system then did they start to feel the awkwardness and uncomfortableness? And then why didn't they address it? It's the awareness that really helps. Right. Mm -hmm. Like making people aware, but not necessarily like dogpiling them Mm -hmm. is a really helpful way of chipping away at this problem because it's going to take a lot of time to. Yeah, it needs to take time to undo some of this cultural misconceptions. Mm -hmm. Being aware of it first is the first step before Mm -hmm. you start to like deconstruct those um, Mm -hmm. wrong ideas. 
It's kind of like if you're struggling and you're having conflicting feelings and you're feeling the awkwardness mm -hmm. or some sort of uncomfortableness, like sit on those feelings and then ask someone. I want to say like ask someone who's not going to just like echo your thoughts, but really give you some food for thought to think about um, just because they, you know, they have probably gone through their own process of understanding and reflection as well to be able to reach the resolute decision that they have about certain things, you know. Mm -hmm. When I was watching this reaction play out, one of the things that I was really fighting against when I was thinking about it was whataboutism, which is essentially when you talk about something that you care about and that affects you deeply, and then somebody goes, well, what about the kids in Africa? What mm -hmm. about homeless people? What about this? What about that? Like, mm -hmm. the, are your problems important? Mm -hmm. And that was something that I was really struggling against during this situation, especially because while it was taking over social media, the Georgia elections were happening, which was, you know, a pretty, um, pretty, pretty huge, yeah, basically pretty important moment in U.S. politics right now. And it felt weird to, on the one hand, know that control of the Senate was teetering on a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the same time as people were upset about Mahjong. And I was like, what about this, the guys? Yeah. Like, but on the one hand, I do still feel that because mm -hmm. I do feel like those are tangible, real things that can be done to move needles in the correct direction for what people are generally feeling. Mm -hmm. But I also understand that that is pretty like an asshole kind of way of thinking, if that makes sense. No, no it, <laughs> like I was feeling the same thing about you with that, where thinking about the Georgia elections and what's going on with BLM, yes, this Mahjong Lion thing does matter. But also at the same time, it makes me think about the note where like, black lives have to matter first before all lives. And it's kind of like the thing where if I was to prioritize between supporting a black artist versus getting mad at Mahjong, I would prioritize supporting a black artist. You know, I mm -hmm. would prioritize pushing black women first because they have to matter first. Like they are the kind of like the foundation about why other people are listening to Asians getting mad about Mahjong. The language of 21st century activism is rooted in black culture, mm -hmm. a black American culture. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to hear people using language like cultural appropriation, yeah. colonization, erasure, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when something like that is happening right now with voter, yeah. voter suppression and, yeah. you know, all that stuff, voter ID laws in Georgia, access mm -hmm. to polling stations. It's mm -hmm. just, it's hard to have that happen. I think the thing that I really want to hone in on is I think that you can care about multiple things, mm -hmm. but the thing that bothered me in the reaction was seeing people in my friend circles and in my communities mm -hmm. who seem to only care about things that affect Asian American people mm -hmm. and that affect them specifically mm -hmm. because it happens a lot where I'll see people will share stories or share posts about issues happening in the Asian American community but mm -hmm. we're crickets on Black Lives Matter and anything else, anything yeah. else yeah about yeah. politics and they'll just be like oh I don't want to you know, I don't want to be too controversial. I don't want to make mm -hmm. people uncomfortable. But when it comes to Asian American issues, well, okay, well, that's that's going to be where I, I'm upset about this. Yeah. And I think a lot of that might come to this idea of like staying in your lane and, mm -hmm. you know, don't speak on things that don't involve you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's it's a thing that is conflicting because you'll hear people say, why aren't you speaking up about this? And then when people speak up about things, they'll be like, why are you doing it wrong? Why are you, yeah. <laughs> why yeah. are you saying the wrong things? Yeah. And it sucks. So I guess that's one of the hesitations, but do you feel like there are other hesitations to speak out on racial and economic issues? 
Like, I feel the biggest thing is that people are worried about saying the wrong thing, mm -hmm. you know, because this again goes into the whole, you know, what is your intention and what's the impact and what's the message you're really trying to convey. Mm -hmm. And especially now that terminology is so sensitive for people, mm -hmm. you know, what words you use, the barrier to like say something seems very, very high. Mm -hmm. And it even goes into like our own personal experiences on having to like educate during the what is 2020, you know, that we had to explain to some people like this is what it means. This is what you're saying. This is the depth of what you're touching on. Like, are you ready to touch on it? And I think you noted something well, which was like, you don't have to be an expert in what you're saying, but you have to be resolute in your feelings and whatever footing you're on can you defend it mm -hmm. and especially when it comes to speaking on racial and economic issues it's like have you also taken the time to reflect from the outward in where like are your successes also contributed because of your proximity to whiteness right can you make fun of things because like it doesn't actually really really affect you but it affects other people but at the same time you get the benefits out of it, which unlocks so many other feelings of like, Simu Liu, yeah. yeah, and how he deleted that tweet where it's like, well, you have representation now because so many other people had pushed for representation. Let me let me but, interject really quickly. Oh, go for I it. I want to just, for people who don't know about the tweet, so Simu Liu <laughs> is working on a movie with Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg has come under fire in the past because there is video footage or knowledge, I don't know if there's video footage, of mm -hmm. him assaulting Vietnamese people and saying derogatory things to them mm -hmm. as Asian people and beating them up. And mm -hmm. then Simu Lu called him out on that in the past. And then now that they're working on a movie together, he had deleted the tweet and essentially swept it under the rug. There were a bunch of, like, there was outrage again from, like, him deleting it. And the way he kind of memified it, where he's like, well, I'm next. And I was like, well, you benefited from you know, other, like, especially from, like, Black actors pushing for representation on screen, so you have representation. But when it comes time to keep what you believe in in play in check, you decide to delete it because you're worried about the professionalism with your white colleague, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, well, you have that, you know, you have that luxury to do that. And, like, your proximity to whiteness, you can flip it, where, like, in one way you want to be farthest away from your from whiteness because you don't have representation but now that you're in the movie and you have representation you're okay with being close to it and it's a little bit difficult to see other more prominent like outspoken asian figures go and support him and say it's a deeper meaning it's a deeper situation that we need time to understand and it's like no this is the moment where you should be outraged mm -hmm. and you shouldn't defend him and you should educate him and educate everyone else what it means for like your asianness and your whiteness to really be in play mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about like speaking out and being mm -hmm. vocal and being active in that way but especially in the wake of black lives matter there was a lot of resources going around about other ways that you can help because mm -hmm there is more ways to help expanding general consciousness about different things that you care about than talking about them on a public platform. There's also education on a one-on-one -on -one basis. That's something that I personally feel really strongly about and that mm -hmm. I try to practice in my life is having conversations with people individually because I think I'm able to co convey my messages a lot better through nuance and through conversations. That's, that's like mm -hmm. a me thing. There's also financial, you know, like yeah. if you don't feel like you can talk or you can be knowledgeable or like change people's minds, give money to people who can, whether that's mm -hmm. direct donations to activists or donations to nonprofits mm -hmm. or to people in need. There are ways that you can make a difference in terms of different causes. 
chocolate and it can also be as simple as like supporting your friends mm -hmm. you know who are in the field or doing what they do like promote them like buy their art it doesn't have to be on a grand scale and i even want to say like know how you best learn like for calvin it's for like one-on-one -on -one, that is something you want to advocate for for me it's best to listen you know and so i really enjoy my favorite is um listening to emmanuel acho so he has this podcast about uncomfortable conversations about a block with the black man why i enjoyed listening to it is because i can see where my whiteness is mm. because he does bring in white males he brings in like a family that's the couple is a white man and an asian woman and he brings in white cops in that entire experience in listening to his podcast i can see where i fit into the like the different levels of whiteness he's addressing he overall just explains everything in different approachable levels which is kind of amazing because then you're not kind of dumped with shame at once yeah, and then I guess our last thing is being critical of your intentions mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to your actions. Whether it's, are you trying to change the system? Are you trying to educate people in your community? Mm -hmm. Or are you just looking for validation? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're looking yeah. for validation, do you really believe the things that you're saying? Because it's one thing to say that you would like to change the system, but it's one thing to actually want to change the system. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will say that they want certain things, but are they willing to pay taxes? Are they mm -hmm. willing to tax the rich? Are they willing to not take a job because it's actually taking a job from someone else? Like, right. are they, you know, willing to resign from the project, the position to be able to give it to someone who actually will benefit from it? Do you have anything else that you want to add before we, we finish up? I don't know. Well, there is one thing I want to add, but it's so far down. But this probably goes back into staying in your lane about how, like, when Asians are outspoken on social media and like about a certain issue, there's there's this weird line where they want to promo like the great things that Asians have done in, you know, in light of whatever political big event that's happening. And what's really kind of outraged me was seeing a lot of Asians repost the Congressman Andy Kim cleaning up at, at what had happened at Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. Well, what about talking about all the other Asian folks who were there in support of Trump? You know, mm -hmm. there were interviews of like this Vietnamese woman who was talking about this Vietnamese coalition that was there and they were super excited and she was so happy about what had happened. Mm -hmm. So you're open to kind of shaming this Mahjong line company to post a statement up and everything. But when it came time to also give that level of rage to your Asian community who were present at the event, mm -hmm. you then kind of pull in this sympathy language on like, but also there are families that they support and you know, they're worried about not having a job. And I was like, same for the three white women who are trying to start this company. They invested a shit ton of money probably. You know, mm -hmm. they hired a design firm. And the amount of rage you gave to both of them could have also affected all of their other connections and all their other job opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just pick that I want to show the good Asian here and then not the good Asian here. Right. And if you knew anything about 
Asian relations in the U.S., you know that you don't want to show only good Asian people because that's kind of something that we're fighting against right now. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the model minority stuff. Oh, so, so hard. You know, there's, it's def- it's more than one podcast episode and right. more than like just one conversation. There's so much that, so much that there is to unlock. And even with our own conversation today, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, a ton of folks who are like, I totally agree or I don't agree. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what I would welcome is if anybody wants to send DMs with topics involving like this conversation specifically that we can touch on maybe in a later episode, maybe when something else happens mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of get our feelings about that and kind of incorporating some of your ideas as well. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear uh, anything that you all have to say about yeah. what we've talked about because, mm-hmm. you know, we're not authorities. We are just people with microphones. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. <laughs> and a crying baby in the background. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you showing up uh, to the podcast. Uh, If you wanted to share our show, it's available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We do a newsletter every month. One will come out with the release of the next episode. So go go onto our website, studiodbj.com, scroll a little bit, and then it'll give you a pop-up to sign up for our newsletter. And also subscribe to our feed so you can catch our next episode. This time it's going to be about taking the leap. Mm -hmm. And Gina and I will talk about our experiences leaving our old jobs and what we're doing now. Otherwise, yeah, thank you. And uh, we will see you next week. Or yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> in so, two yeah. weeks. We'll see you yeah, in yeah. two weeks. <laughs> okay. Bye. Awesome. Bye.